0: Listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast North of Zero by Slip and Mickey's on AO Three. Chapter Nine The Lake. Have you been ice fishing before? Mulder asked the boy, who shook his head. I'm self-taught myself, Mulder mumbled, but it seems to work okay. The clouds hung low, the temperature well below freezing. The day was gray and newtent, like it was hovering between worlds. Scully had offered to stay at the cabin, with plans of fiddling with the solar panels. She wanted to use them to run a generator in addition to the well and it would take some serious technological finagling. She would need peace and quiet to figure it out. Come on, Mulder said, handing the boy the long, pendulous auger. Time to make the donuts. He picked up the two five gallon buckets that held the tip ups and net. He had requisitioned a large slotted spoon from the kitchen of the cabin to use to scoop ice crystals from the holes, and the spoon rattled around the bottom of one of the buckets as they made their way out onto the lake. The ice itself was solid and milky white, run through with massive crack fissures that froze clear. The ice looked to be about ten inches thick, thick enough to not worry if they got any days above forty degrees, which could happen as spring blew in, something Mulder had to admit he was looking forward to. Mulder had tried fishing in various locations around the lake and had found two spots that seemed to hold the highest concentration of fish. He led the way to the closest one. The boy had only the slightest limp left from his broken ankle, though Scully had been adamant that they both be careful while on the lake. Any fall or slip, she warned, and the barely healed break could be re-injured worse. She insisted they both wrap fat rubber bands around the ball of their boots An old crime scene trick that they found helped keep shoes from slipping on the frozen lake. Here's good, Mulder said, lining himself up with the landmarks he used to orient himself to the fishing hole. He set down the buckets and William stood holding the auger awkwardly. You want to make the hole? Mulder asked. Sure, the boy said, showing a hint of enthusiasm. Where should I do it? Anywhere you like, Mulder said, gesturing widely to the ice in front of them. The boy nodded. So what do I do, William asked. Mulder reached out and removed the cover from the blade of the manual auger and tapped it into the top of the ice. One hand here, he said, grabbing onto the handle of the spinning mechanism, and one here. He grabbed the top of the instrument. A little downward pressure here, he went on, And then you just spin it like so. He gave the handle one spin around, which chipped up an impressive amount of ice and stopped, tilting it toward the boy, who gave the mechanism one long look before he tried it himself, smiling at the loud scrape as he tunneled efficiently down into the ice. "'You're a natural,' Mulder said kindly. After about a minute, the auger broke through and water gushed up through the hole, surprising William, who took a quick step back. "'Cool.' he said, looking down at the perfectly circular hole they'd made. What's next? I don't suppose talking to fish is one of your gifts, Mulder asked him. William shook his head. Then we'd better set the tip-ups. Mulder scooped the ice out of the top of the hole with the slotted spoon and pulled one of the tip-ups out of the bucket, showing William how the mechanism worked and how to set it up over the hole. He pulled off his gloves and baited the hook with earthworms he kept in a dirt bucket in the cabin's cellar and dropped it down into the hole. There, Mulder said, hoping he'd set the depth correctly. If a fish hits the bait, the flag goes up and we run over and reel up our dinner. William smiled, a sight that pulled at something behind Mulder's sternum. Cool, the boy said again. Very, Mulder said pulling his hat down further over his ears. Want to dig a couple more holes and set up the other two tip-ups? William nodded enthusiastically, and they walked about 20 feet east. Mulder let William dig the hole and try his hand at setting the tip-up, though William had Mulder bait the hook, showing him what he'd done wrong and letting the boy try again. By the time they got the third hole dug out, William was able to set it up himself. Now what do we do? Now we wait, Mulder said, and pulled the second bucket he'd had nesting inside the first one out and flipping it over. Have a seat. Mulder slid the slotted spoon into his pocket and flipped over the other bucket to sit on, rubbing his hands together before sliding his gloves back on. The day was windy, but not wretched, for which Mulder was thankful. He'd spent many a miserably cold afternoon on the lake before Scully suggested they try to find an ice shanty which they had so far not been able to find. So, Mulder said, looking at the boy curiously, tell me about your powers. William looked down at his feet, a little bashful. They're hard to describe, he said. That trick with the ship was pretty cool, Mulder said, and the boy grinned. Yeah. What does it feel like? I go to a place inside myself. They can't find me there. Mulder nodded, beginning to understand. And your ankle? Healing fast like that has come in handy. I would imagine. The wind picked up a bit, and it was trying to bite through the many layers of their clothes. Mulder pulled his hood up and over his hat. What else can you do? William threw him a wary look. You sure you want to know? The boy said, his voice clipped. Of course I do, William, he said, wanting to reach out and touch the boy. After a moment, his son took a deep breath and then held up his mittened hand. The slotted spoon, which had been sticking out of the top of the pocket in Mulder's snow pants, flew up as quick as lightning and the boy caught it easily. Holy shit, Mulder said, standing up so quickly he knocked aside the overturned bucket. He could see the muscles in William's jaw jump beneath the skin as the boy gritted his teeth. That is so cool, Mulder finally said. The boy's eyes whipped to his. Cool? Very. William narrowed his eyes at his father. You mean it didn't scare you? You're not afraid of me? It did scare me, Mulder clarified, flipping the bucket back over before it could catch a gust of wind and blow away. He sat down and looked at the boy seriously but I'm not afraid of you. In awe of you, maybe, but certainly not afraid. William blinked at him several times and then looked up and off to the right, taking a deep breath. My parents were afraid of me, he said, his voice so quiet Mulder had trouble hearing him over the wind. My adoptive parents, I mean. The longer it went on, they could barely look at me. Mulder felt like he'd been punched in the stomach. They, Mulder started to say, and had to clear his throat before continuing. They probably didn't. The boy gave a long sniff, and Mulder rose and dropped to a knee next to his son. None of this is your fault. And it wasn't theirs, either. This is... Everything that's happened to you, everything you are, that's on us. He glanced at the cabin, sitting low and dark on the edge of the lake. If I'd been able to protect you like I should have... He grabbed the boy's face gently in his gloved hands and forced him to look into his eyes. You do not scare me, William. You do not scare Scully. You are a goddamn fucking miracle. At this, William's eyes slammed closed, tears dropping down onto his cheeks, and he threw himself at Mulder, knocking him half back on the ice, the boy's arms around his shoulders and neck clinging to him as though he were a lifeline. Mulder returned his embrace and thumped him roughly on the back, whispering nonsense words until the boy loosened his grip and eased back, running his mittened hands over his eyes to dry them. Mulder stayed where he was, keeping a hand on the boy's shoulder. Mulder stayed where he was, keeping a hand on the boy's shoulder. William eased himself back onto the overturned bucket, gave one long sniff, and then squinted his eyes at something over Mulder's head. "'Did that—is that flag up?' he said, sniffing one more time, and pointing toward the second tip-up they'd set. "'Yes!' Mulder yelped, and it was like a shot running toward the hole before the fish could work itself off the hook. William panted up next to him as he skidded to his knees, using the spoon to break the crust that had formed around the hole and then reeling madly. The fish on the other end fought hard and then shot across the water under the hole, a yellow-green flash. It fought for another twenty seconds before Mulder got its long nose through the top of the hole and flung it onto the ice at their feet where it flopped madly. Mulder saw the angry ridge of teeth and sighed, pulling his gloves on tighter. It's a northern pike, Mulder said as he grabbed the fish over its dorsal fin and held tight. Gotta be careful of the teeth when you take out the hook. You got a Leatherman or anything? He asked the boy. It helps to have a tool. William nodded and reached in a pocket, expertly flipping out the tool until he had the plier mechanism engaged and handed it over to Mulder who got the hook out with relative ease, not even having to take off his gloves. "'Check it out,' Mulder said, holding up the hook, which still had a bit of worm on it. Even saved the bait. William wasn't looking at the hook, though. His eyes were trained over Mulder's left shoulder. Mulder turned to see what he was looking at and saw the flag on the first tip-up they'd set high in the air. "'Fish on!' Mulder laughed. "'Go!' William hobbled-ran over to the hole excitedly and began reeling. Mulder gave the pike one more look and decided to keep it, tossing it onto the ice about five feet from the hole. Pike weren't the best eating, but they needed to rebuild their trading stores, had another mouth to feed, and beggars couldn't be choosers. By the time he got to the hole, William had pulled an impressive walleye up through the ice and was holding it by the fishing line, his face full of excitement. What do I do? He laughed. Mulder laughed with him. Grab him firmly by the back and work the hook out with your other hand. That one doesn't have scary teeth, should be pretty easy. After a bit of fumbling, William was able to work the hook out and kept a death grip on the impressively sized fish, which was still thrashing in his hands, its round mouth pulsing open and closed in the frigid air. He held it up to Mulder, beaming. I caught a fish, he said, and Mulder couldn't help but beam back. You did. Well done. Now what do I do with it? William laughed. Set it on the ice a few feet from the hole so it can't get back into the water. I learned that one the hard way. And leave it. It'll freeze before it drowns. He reassured the boy when his face fell a bit at the word drown... It's a pretty quick, painless way to go, he finished, putting his hand back on the boy's shoulder. William set the walleye gently down on the ice and watched its movement slow. Then he perked up and pointed to their third tip-up. Fish on, the boy said joyously, already trotting toward the flag. It was a muggy evening, the air thick with the hazy gold of sunset, and the occasional flash of a lightning bug. They had found the cabin that afternoon, a sturdy building on the edge of a bright green lake. Its knotty pine interior faded from years of sunsets, the walls covered in pink and green drunkard's path quilts. They had not seen another human nor ship in three straight weeks. The air inside the house smelled stale and mildewy, but everything was dry and just cool enough to be comfortable. They opened up the windows to air the place out, the buzz of katydids and the treetops coming in through the old gauzy screens. A blue jay called ruckusly from the fencing around the backyard. The side of the property was dotted with poplars, whose leaves flipped back and forth in the light breeze off the lake, fluttering various shades of green in a calming scythurism. There was a simple pine bookshelf that took up an entire wall on one side of the living room. Old paperbacks shoved cheek by jowl onto the shelves. The outer pages yellowed with age and worn soft by use. The Shining, Vonnegut's Jailbird, a whole line of the Cat Who. Scully walked slowly beside it, running her fingers over the spines and looking as if she were perusing a well-loved shelf in a bright, dusty library. His heart felt close to bursting. They'd been tired, so, so tired, and the little cabin on the lake felt like it existed in another place in time. He walked up slowly behind her and put a gentle hand on her hip, lowering his lips to the side of her bare neck. She tasted like dust and salt, and he nipped at her, and then labbed his tongue back over her skin. She leaned back into his chest, her arm coming up to loop over his shoulder and around his neck. She sighed happily and his groin tightened. The back bedroom has a queen, he mumbled into her, nosing his way to the skin beneath her ear. "Mm," She hummed, digging her fingernails lightly into his scalp. He felt a thrilled rush all the way down to his toes. Take me there, she finally said turning in his arm so that her face was to his chest. She leaned forward and scraped her teeth over his nipple through the thin, ratty t-shirt he wore. Make me forget. A bumblebee buzzed up to the window, a loon called to his mate from the lake. For a little while, they remembered to forget.